Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? That's more Rocket Ajax to bring back his body. Hello everybody and welcome to War Rocket Ajax. This is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast, and we are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims. With me, as always, Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? I'm good, Chris. How are you? I'm doing okay. 
I, I mean, we're both saying that while we know we're extremely tired. And yeah, I've had an extraordinarily busy week. You have had a busy week, but I would say a, I would say a, a solid one for you. Certainly solid. I'll talk more about that uh, when we get to checks and recs, but it's been a pretty good one. I know that you are still reeling from the the Adderall shortage, so I hope you're doing all right. Not being able to get your prescribed medication is a real fucking pain in the ass, and remember that when it's election time, folks. Mm. 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 True. That's that's some advice from your old buddy. Your old buddy on his haha comic book show. Your old buddy Chris. That should be the title of this podcast, Haha Comic Book Show. I mean, it would be more it would be a better title than the one we have, which I do like. <laughs> but which is not descriptive of what this show is and who we are. Haha Comic Book Show is pretty dead the fuck on. That is true. Hey, folks, vote. On whether we should change his name to Haha ha Comic Book Show. Speaking of, I'm being, not after after 13 years. I'm not learning a new thing to call this. <laughs> Speaking of it being a Haha ha Comic Book Show, we have a good one for everybody this week. We we've got a lot a lot of Haha ha and a lot of comic book in our interview segment with longtime friends of the show, Erica Henderson and Ryan North. We're going to be talking to them about uh, their upcoming graphic novel, Danger and Other Unknown Risks, as well as our working relationships with each other. <laughs> I I try to tank this interview early on, and it's very fun for me. <laughs> it is an extremely fun and extremely freewheeling interview, so you will want to hear it. Uh, but we will get to that in a little while. We do have some business to take care of here at the top of the show. And Chris, our first order of business is to thank our newest supporters over on Patreon. That's right, Matt. These are the people who go all the way down to 628 Gimmick Street. You know what's there. You know what's there at 628 Gimmick Street, Matt. Well... Let's see. 627 had Just Incredible's house. Uh-huh. And 626 had a CarMax. <laughs> yeah. So this one is next to the CarMax. Mm-hmm. You know what, Chris? You tell me. What what was that 628 gimmick street? What, what is it 628 gimmick street? Right. It's present tense. <laughs> right. Gimmick street exists. That's right. And in the present. A construct. Uh-huh. In our hearts and minds. So what's there? It's an Arby's. Oh! Get some curly fries. Yeah, you can. The Arby's on Gimmick Street, it's that one. While you're waiting to get the price for your car at CarMax, mm-hmm. you walk over to the Arby's, you get a big beef and cheddar. Apple turnover. Then you, come, then you come back to CarMax and they're like... 800 bucks for your Mazda 626. <laughs> that's real. That's really lucky. And if you're lucky, you saw just incredible. If you're I really thought, lucky. Not like working. Not, but like, you know, maybe he, maybe he wanted a, a, a beef and cheddar with some horsey sauce. 
Maybe he was mowing his grass. Maybe he was mowing his grass. Yeah. Maybe who knows what Just Incredible is is doing at his at his house. You know, I've always liked Just Incredible, and I wouldn't this gimmick street is not about making fun of people. <laughs> it's about community. It's about community. It's about family. Yeah. This time, Gimmick Street's about family. The zoning on Gimmick Street is fucking nuts. It's whack. It's completely <laughs> whack. It's what like, like, it's so weird to live across the street from an Arby's and a CarMax. Yeah, yeah. But you know that's just that's how Just Incredible lives, man. It's a nice house. I'm sure it is. He got it with that money from being an X Factor. In the early 2000s. With X-Pac and Albert. Underrated faction. So <laughs> anyway, you can go to patreon.com slash warrocketajax and kick in as little as a dollar a month. To help us keep... To help us slide down this descent into madness that we've been on for over a dozen years. Where it only makes sense to us, and only half the time. And most importantly, pay, help me and Matt pay those gimmicks they keep sending the mail called bills. That's right, Chris. And here are our newest Patreon supporters. Jamal Thomas. Oh, thank you, Jamal. And Emma Brianon. Thank you, Emma. If you would like to be like Jamal and Emma and help us out here on the show, you could do what Chris said and head over to patreon.com slash Kick in as little as $1 per month to make sure that we do this show every week, that we do Comics Catch-Up every month, that we do Movie Fighters and Snack Situation. The Snack Situation for March went up last Friday. We tried some Shamrock Shakes. And also, the monthly Every Story Ever special. All of those things are made possible by your support on Patreon. As a patron, you get every single one of those shows completely ad-free as well as other cool rewards, including line-stepping privileges for our after-interview segments or Every Story Ever. So that would include, right now, Every Story Ever and Thursday Night Raw. You can get bonus content that could be outtakes from the show, bonus audio that we record special for Patreon, writing that we do. Chris has reviewed quite a few video games. Over on the Patreon, I've written a couple of pieces exclusively for the Patreon. So you get those as a patron. You can also get uh, physical rewards as a patron. The t-shirt for 2023 is soon to be designed. I believe I've finally gotten all our P's and Q's lined up for tax season, which means we are free and clear to make some shirts. So all of that stuff is uh, made possible by your Patreon support. If you cannot support us monetarily on Patreon, we do currently have the weed number of patrons on Patreon, 420. But it would be nice for that number to go up. We could get to a beast. If we could get to a beast number of patrons, ooh, ooh. That's a dream. But I would it, love it if we got to the beast. Yeah. So 
make that number go up, folks. It would be it would be incredible. Uh, but we do appreciate being at the weed number right now. If you are unable to help us monetarily on Patreon, you can help us out in other ways by leaving us a review on the podcasting app that you use, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you get podcasts, five stars would help us out a bunch, or just spread the word about the show online or in person when you see your friends. Tell them about the podcast you enjoy from the Good Bits Boys. With that, Chris, it's time for some checks and wrecks. What do you say? Let's do it. Chris, what do you have to check in with this week? Matt, it is a happy day. Oh, happy day. This is this is one of my favorite weeks of the year. Well, March traditionally, real shitty month. <laughs> real, just a piece of shit on the calendar, honestly, traditionally speaking. Uh, and if you don't know why that is, ask anybody who's ever worked freelance for companies that uh, consider March to be the end of the fiscal year. Just, just go and ask them, hey, why is March bad? They'll tell you. <laughs> but this one week is nice because it's full of, of fun, silly holidays. We've got Pi Day, uh-huh. March 14th, 314. We've got the Ides of March, where you leave a salad out uh, and hope that Brutus leaves a knife in your shoes. Where you see that funny meme of someone stabbing a Caesar dressing bottle. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing that you see? Sure. Yeah, I've seen that many times. I haven't seen it once, which is weird. I'll send it to you. Then you'll see. Then you you will have seen it. Oh man, can't wait to see another hot Matt Wilson meme. I didn't make it. <laughs> If you folks, if you don't know about the Grassman's memes, <laughs> I'm always telling people. People are like, "Hey, what's Matt Wilson like?" And I'm like, "That motherfucker got the best memes." I Is have that the meanest been, thing I could say about you. I think so. I uh, I have made memes, but I didn't make that one. Then, of course, uh, today, the day that we're recording this, it's three sixteen. It's International Stone Cold Steve Austin Day. Uh, yep. So, uh, give me a hell yeah for those who celebrate. Hell yeah. And if you don't celebrate Steve Austin Day, what? (laughs) And then, of course, tomorrow, March 17th, that's one of the holiest days of the year. That's that's the anniversary of the day Biscuit came home. The Gotcha Day. It's the Gotcha Day. It's Biscuit Day. Celebrating three years of my best friend. I'm sorry, you had to find out this way. My best friend. Uh, being home where she should be. And I I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know any pet bakeries here in Minneapolis yet. We did have one in Durham. Uh, but uh, I am going to maybe go to the store and get uh, my little puppy dog something nice tomorrow. Uh, she did get a, she's got a, a bark box waiting to be open. So maybe she gets all the toys and some treats tomorrow. Exciting. Very exciting. It is that's, exciting. That's basically a holiday every weekday this week. Yeah. Except for Monday. 313 isn't anything. Oh. Somebody should make 313 something. Here's here's one of them, Matt Wilson. Guy hates Mondays. <laughs> 
I uh, I forget what it was that I was I was watching something where uh, someone was talking about the I hate Mondays thing and how essentially if if someone actually says I hate Mondays, you can tell them you don't hate Mondays, you hate capitalism. Yes, and uh, while that is kind of a jerk thing to say, boy, is it true. It is true, except for Garfield doesn't have a job. Garfield does not exist under capitalism. I have made jokes before, speaking of Biscuit, about how Biscuit does not operate, like, of the three of us who live here, Biscuit is the one who does not operate under capitalism. Everything is provided for her. She's still mad all the time, so I don't know what her problem is. Yeah. The thing is, though, Garfield is capitalism. That's true. So Garfield should love Mondays. Garfield should love Mondays because he's like, I'm making that money. Yeah. Garfield definitely has told Odie that Christmas is a poor excuse to pick a man's pocket every 25th of December. (laughs) Matt, what have you been up to this week? Well, Chris, you know full well what I've been up to. Uh, The launch of my Zoop Comics crowdfunding campaign for Imposter Syndicate Issues 1 and 2 went live at 11 a.m. Tuesday morning. Then, today, on Stone Cold Steve Austin Day, at approximately noon, uh, we hit our funding goal of $6,000. So, thank you to everyone listening to this who contributed to the Zoop campaign. Thank you. I cannot thank you enough. Uh, it is amazing to have a crowdfunding campaign get uh, funded in just over 48 hours. I Because when we did the campaign for Everything Will Be Okay, I think we got there with maybe like two days left. We just barely got over the finish line on that one. So being funded so early with, you know, 28 days left of the campaign is really something. As of right this moment, as of this recording, I'm sure the numbers have changed by the time the episode goes up. But uh, as of this recording, we are at $6,268 for the campaign and 181 supporters. And uh, that is pretty doggone cool. That said, I know there's more than 181 of y'all. <laughs> Matt's got the numbers. I see the numbers. I'm not saying you have to back the project. If you don't have the cash, you don't have to do it. But I know there's more than 181 of y'all. Let's just make that clear. And we have names. Yes. We know whose backs are going to be first against the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We do have uh, some stretch goals, though, coming up uh, that involve more pages of the book. I want to put some back matter in there where both covers are in there. So if you only bought one cover, uh, either Rodrigo Vargas's main cover or Erica Henderson's alternate cover. Our guest this week, Erica Henderson, uh, 
did an alternate cover that is so good. Uh, I would like to put both covers in the back matter and also some kind of process design stuff of Rodrigo's. I'd like to put that in, in there. Uh, and then that's at the first stretch goal, some, some additional back matter. And then the stretch goal after that is pinups by several friends of the show. Uh, Jay Gonzo, Kyle Starks and Steens. Hey, uh, so there is good reason to keep sharing and letting people know about this comics crowdfunding project to get that cool stuff. Uh, and then at the next stretch goal at an amount yet to be named, uh, we'll print off some imposter syndicate membership cards for people. You know, you want one, you know, you want to put an imposter syndicate membership card in your wallet. So uh, we do definitely have some cool stretch goals on the way. And, you know, if we get enough profit to fully pay for all the art on the book and cover all of our expenses, uh, maybe we can put a little bit of cash toward issue three. So... You know, that would be very cool. I, I'm i sure people know, you know, if we hit the bare minimum of funding, it's going to be the bare minimum of a book. <laughs> uh, so I would definitely like to get that number up and really, really trick it out. So thank you for helping us get to our goal. Uh, if you haven't backed yet and you would like to, uh, there there is time left. but. Uh, I would encourage it. And uh, thank you once again for, for helping us get to that goal. It is nice to be there. Chris, time for some recommendations. What do you have to recommend? Matt, you were nice enough to, to get me a little present. Circa, I think it was, it was Christmas time, right? It was a Christmas present. You got me the punch game. Uh, I think it might have been for your birthday, actually, that I got you the punch game. It might have been for my birthday. Yeah. What'd you give me for Christmas? I will have to think about it. I don't don't remember, but... It was for my birthday, because you got me stationery for Christmas. That's what it was. That's right. Yes. Uh, Yes. That's Uh, right. Point being, you got me the punch game, and and I liked it. Yeah. It's fun. It's it's a fun way to get a little active, throw some punches. It's, It's a fun time. Here's my problem with it. I don't feel like I'm learning how to explode people's heads. Mm. A, a common a common complaint. Yeah, which is important for me. Fortunately, the good people down at Nintendo, my uncle, who works right. there, right. who knows Mario, they have really helped out by releasing for the Nintendo Switch fitness boxing Fist of the North Star. Uh, and I purchased it, and I did my first workout with that today. Uh, went back to basics. Really, uh, really checked it out. Um, for those of you who might not know, Fist of the North Star, created by Buronson, is uh, a uh, manga and anime about uh, Kenshiro, who is the uh, 64th 
uh, master of the Hokuto no Ken style, uh, the Fist of the North Star. That is the way that you punch people so hard their fucking heads explode. So when I found out that there was going to be a fitness boxing based on that, it was pretty delightful. It was a pretty fun thing to find out, I gotta say. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for a while. I will say this. It's just fitness boxing. (laughs) It's just fitness boxing, and it might actually be maybe a little worse than regular uh, fitness boxing 2 for the Nintendo Switch. But there is one thing that I loved. Uh, Matt, you know about... You know in in the punch game, you've got the the stamps that you get every day. So, like, at the end of the workout, every day you can, like, punch, and it'll stamp a card. It'll stamp the calendar, letting you know that you did a workout that day. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what's great about this one. You don't punch to stamp in Fist of the North Star. Instead, when it's time to stamp the calendar, one of those uh, Mad Max-looking dudes shows up. And it tells you to jab your thumbs into his neck, and then he explodes. Oh my. Oh my. Yeah, that fucking rules, actually. So, Fitness Boxing Fist of the North Star, available for the Nintendo Switch. That's a full price game I got. It's good stuff. Yeah, you, you gotta learn how to make a dude's head explode. Matt, what have, uh, what is your recommendation for the people this week? My recommendation is a movie that you can watch on uh, National Broadcasting Corporation Peacock Bird streaming app. Uh, it, it was an Oscar-nominated film that I, I don't believe won any awards, but it's really good, and uh, we finally watched it uh, about two weeks ago, I guess. Um, it's Tar. Kate Blanchett is Tar. In which Lydia Tar, the famous conductor that she plays, uh, ends up being a bad lady who did bad things and gets her comeuppance for being terrible to people. <laughs> and uh, it is a surprisingly funny movie about a person with power and authority who abuses that power and authority. The last shot of the movie is a truly incredible joke. Uh, It also has a song that should have been nominated for Best Original Song and was not, which is called Apartment for Sale. And if you watch the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, it is an extremely good, extremely enjoyable movie that I thought about for like four days after I watched it. Uh, so I, if if it is of any interest to you at all, or if you heard about it and thought it was maybe worth seeing, I'm telling you that it is uh, Tar on Peacock. That, Chris, is my recommendation. Which means it is time to talk about some comics. What do you say? Let's do it. 
There is no winner of the Texter's Choice Award this week because we did not text each other about comics this week. But I think if there had been a winner, it probably would have been Avengers Forever number 15. It certainly got the, the stuff we like. Yeah. It's got Celestial Deathlock shooting his huge gun. It's got Galactus eating uh, the Doom Ego. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's got Mephisto's Last Stand. It's got Old Star Brand and Ghost Rider deciding they're going to have one last ride. Right. So that's 100%. The Galactus shows up on Earth and Spider-Man and Daredevil just kind of like stand, sit there on the rooftop, right? Yes. Like it's, that's totally a nod to that. I think it has to be, yeah. It's pretty great. So, so this is the this is the penultimate chapter of Jason Aaron's Avengers run, and what I love about it is this issue is while it is continuing a huge fight that's been going on for like <laughs> six issues of Avengers. This is the one where it's like, here are all the emotional stakes. Here are the emotional stakes for Thor. Here are the emotional stakes for the various phoenixes. Phoenixes. Here's the emotional stakes for Ghost Rider and Starbrand. Here's the emotional stakes for Mephisto. Who's like, I'll eat my own fucking guts to win this fight. Like, everything is hitting that climax where the emotion is at an absolute peak. And we have like four pages in here where people are just saying Avengers Assemble in various circumstances. And various fonts. <laughs> that's 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 true. Uh I'll tell you what I loved and what is like low-key the best moment of this entire crossover. Uh you know how fond I am of that panel of uh Mr. Miracle and Big Barda talking about how uh they're gonna go down that old shark's mouth together and beat her to death from the inside. Cause that's how much they love each other. Mm-hmm. This is not a romantic love, but it is like the love of, of family of, of mother and son. And that's when Phoenix shows up and says, Thor, I would cross eternity itself to be by your side in your hour of need to burn anyone who dares lay a hand on you. It is the only way a Phoenix knows how to show love. And Thor says, then let us show this dark phoenix how much love we have in our hearts. <laughs> that owns. Yeah. The highest possible emotional stakes. Th- this issue is stakes building, and it really does a great job of it. Like, I've had complaints about some previous issues where it's just like, it's a, it's a big... Superhero punch him up. It's like a really supersized superhero punch him up. And this issue is once again that, but adding in all these emotional stakes makes it worlds, worlds, worlds better. So I'm going to say this was good. Good comics? Yes, sir. A comic we're not sure about, though, is Justice Society number three. 
Alright. I don't love it. Yeah. But I at least don't hate it. Let me, let me tell you... Yes, that's how I feel about it, too. I, I, I didn't like the first issue at all. This issue was better. But I will say this. The first issue of this JSA book had the death of the Justice Society. The big centerpiece moment of that issue was Huntress's version of the Justice Society being slaughtered by Perdegaton. This issue promises at the end, in the final blurb, next, the death of the JSA. (laughs) Maybe that's the way to get him over. Maybe if the JSA just died all the time, they would get over. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It's pretty weird to see Jerry Orway drawing somebody getting shot in the fucking face. Because Jerry Ordway is drawing the World War II flashbacks in this yeah, issue. which look great, by yeah, the way. Do. Jerry Ordway still fucking kicks ass. Here's the thing. This comic at least seems like somebody thought about it. And it has great art. I agree. I agree. And that's the lowest bar to clear. But I do also like when Bizarro show up and the Thunderbolt can't fight him. Because Superman's vulnerable to magic, so Bizarro's are invulnerable to magic? That's pretty good. That's pretty good, dude. Well, okay, what's the high concept here? It's Days of Future Past, but with the JSA. Yes. JSA is a future past. It, JSA is a future past. Because, or, or maybe it's more like Bishop, the Bishop story. But in JSA, because Huntress, from the future, has come back to the past to tell this JSA team, hey, my JSA is going to die, and we need to work together to prevent it. The best thing about this book, for me, is the uh, this version of Dr. Fate, who's like, why are you asking me to do anything? I don't know how to do anything. I I actually really like Dr. Fate being like, I'm new at this and I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, it seems to me like the hierarchy of power in the DC universe has changed. <laughs> it, is a, it is a take on Dr. Fate I, I do like quite a bit. Yeah. I think there's, there's some... This issue, and honestly the last issue too... There's some of that fun in here that reminds me of literally 20 years ago when many of us were like, ah, Jeff John's pretty good. He's, he's, he's good working with, with these old DC characters that he clearly likes. Like, th- there's something here. And, and here's the thing. I want that for him, Matt. I really do. Because he's going to be writing these comics forever. (laughs) And I just want him to be good every now and then. I'll tell you my least favorite thing about this. 
the redesign of Perdegaton. You know, what do you not like about Perdegaton? Well, he used to be a guy in a costume, right? No. Like, I mean, this is pretty much all, how Perdegaton's always looked. He used to have, like, a, a letter like a on, his chest. on his chest. Yeah, yeah, but I mean... He looked like a supervillain, is what I'm saying. There was, I, like, a color, some color to his costume, and he wasn't just a guy in a coat. And no, I guess he did have like a like a big D. Yeah, on his chest, kind of looks like Nazi Daredevil. Guy had a big D. <laughs> he definitely had <laughs> big D energy. Oh, gonna revoke our fucking podcast license, man. What I'm saying is, I'm tired of DC bad guys just being a guy in a coat. Make them look like comic book characters. Like, I, I like Mikhail Janin perfectly fine, perfectly well. And I think the art in here is mostly, largely very good. Although there are places where it looks a little too, like, I don't know, too clean is the only way I know how to put it. But anyway, make Bardagaton look like a a comic book character and not just a guy in a fucking black coat. I'm that trend. I'm so sick of. I want my comic book characters to look like comic book characters. That's all. I get that. Yeah. Uh, anything else to add about this issue? No, it's just like, uh, I told you I've got mixed feelings about it. Yeah. And I like, part of me feels like I'm getting suckered in. But, like, this, I don't know. Maybe I just really like Salem the Witch Girl. And I, and I want good things for her. Maybe that's it. I like a lot of these characters. I like Jerry Ordway drawing some fucking Sergeant Rock stories. Like, it's pretty weird that, like, Sergeant Rock is in this... But he's never named, I don't think. Yeah, that is weird. Like, even when Perdegaton, like, you know, I, I like uh, the kind of throwback to the idea that Sergeant Rock uh, was killed by the last shot fired in World War II. Like, that's that's pretty good. But it's weird that Sergeant Rock is never named, and that the Unknown Soldier is also kind of never named. Like, he's called Soldier. But, I mean, that's fairly obvious, given that he's... You know, wearing a uniform and all. That's a little weird. But sure, whatever. I I do think there's a sense of like you better know what you better know your stuff going into this. Mm-hmm. Cause the only footnotes are like all the way back in All Star Comics number thirty five. So you better go look up your, your comics from nineteen forty three. Hey, I like that too. Give me a fucking footnote. So you could go reference your issue of All-Star Comics. I just want, I just like knowing it happened. Sure. Like, cause because you know what you know what happens if they don't put those footnotes in there, Matt? They make up other shit. And I need to know that the shit that they're making up happened in shit that somebody else made up. 
Oh, I Otherwise, looking... you, you get shit like Doomsday Clock. That's true. I'm looking at the cover of All Star Comics number 42 right now, and it is the same scene as is on the cover of this issue, where they're all like tied to blades of a fan. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. One last comic that we're going to talk about is uh, Superman Lost number one. This is a new series, a mini series that's going to run for 10 issues. uh, Written by one of our top dudes, one of our favorite dudes, Christopher Priest. I think Priest is like, Priest needs like a title. I like when I see Adrian Brody, I'm like, that's my boy, Adrian Brody. Mm-hmm. Or when I, uh, like when we were talking about uh, Patrick O'Duffy, a friend of the show, and I was like, yeah, that's the boss dog, Patrick O'Duffy. I think Priest might need to be like the big boss. <laughs> the big bro- the big boss, Priest. Yeah. Uh, this is written by the big boss, Priest, and has uh, art and co-plotting by uh, Carlo Pagulian. And this first issue is a lot of um, setup. It's the first thing we see Superman do in it is stop a uh, speeding Mercedes that's on the run from the cops, uh, where the trunk is full of a ton of money. And what we'll discover is that this whole thing with the car was part of a huge political scandal, and so. Lois, obviously, is trying to figure out what's going on with this political scandal, like why a senator is involved in it, and to write a story about it for the next day's paper. And while she's in the middle of writing her story, Superman leaves to go uh, deal with a distress call with the rest of the Justice League. And then when he comes back, he's got this... 40 yard stare looking out the window and seems like totally out of it. And he lets Lois know that while it's only been a few hours for her, he's been gone for 20 years. And uh, then Bruce Wayne walks in and he's like, yeah, I I'm here to tell you what happened. I'm sorry, but Yes, he's been gone for 20 years. Uh, And Lois is like, is this your fault? Did you do this? And Superman's like, no, 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 it was my fault. I'm the one who's to blame for this. And so then we flash back to a Justice League mission where they find this alien piece of machinery under the ocean that's causing chaos and their only way to deal with it and stop it from causing even further chaos is for Superman to go inside of it. And that's where this first issue ends. Like, so we're going to be with Superman as he's inside this little pocket universe that he's gone into apparently for 20 years. I think that is a fantastic concept for a comic. That's for like a Superman miniseries. That sounds awesome. 
Yeah, I I think it's absolutely worth a read. And Carlos Pagulian's art is really, really good. Uh, Thumbs up for Superman Lost so far. All right, Chris, that's going to be our comics segment, comics review segment, which means it's time to talk to our guests. Bring on Erica Henderson and Ryan North. Let's do it. us for the program this week we are uh, pleased thrilled delighted to welcome two of the best to ever do it in the comics biz wow no, i'm thank you i'm not exaggerating i am not kidding two of my absolute favorites creators to read and and people to talk to honestly we have ryan north and erica henderson here Hello. to talk about their new project, which yes. is called... <laughs> Should we say it? <laughs> it sounds like Look, you're talking, so we'd say it together there. Like, in their I new told- project, danger and other there unknown and other risks. unknown risks. <laughs> there we go. It all works. It works great. Things are going just great for me, personally. Erica, Ryan, welcome back to the show, both of you. How are you? How old am I? I'm, I'm 42 years old. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I figured oh, that's boy, what you this meant. This is a but I loopy call. I better go with what I heard. I'm I'm well, and I'm 42. I, I'm a little tired, and I'm about to be 37. Really? I had yeah, no so, idea I was so much older than you. I guess four years. Yeah. That, wow. All right. <laughs> what, did, <laughs> how, what did you think your relative age was? Listen, I, I remember, knew what our ages were. <laughs> yeah, Erica knows. I remember we did a, a, a panel. I was live in in England, and we we're talking. Some of we were talking about time zones, and I realized that Erica and I were in the same time zone. When up to that point, I thought we weren't because she gets up so much later than I do. That I assumed she was on some sort of wacky, you know, West Coast time. But no, yeah, I'd be sending you emails at three a.m. and you were like, yeah. "Oh, surely she sleeps like a normal person," and I'm just. <laughs> It's nearly Yeah. I remember when I was in my in my twenties and just slowly eroding my sanity by staying up all night writing. Uh and I would have people on the West Coast express real concern for me. Because they were like, <laughs> You're awake when I wake up, and that's right. not good. That's why we do the show at the time we do it at nine thirty PM, which the the older we get, the more of a slog it is to be like. <laughs> we start the show at nine thirty. The the more of a true misery it is, the longer it goes on. Yeah, happy that, to be here. <laughs> <laughs> now this is this is interesting to me though because I always I am forty years old, and I always feel like people that I talk to are older than me. Probably because they are more accomplished and have more Eisner Awards than I do uh, in this particular case. You get one every couple of years. <laughs> no, 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 Ryan, you get one every couple of years. I haven't gotten one for, well, who's keeping track? 
Next up. So, some of us got one fourteenth of one once. That's more than most people on the planet. I mean, that's true. That is true. I think it is important that we now find out how old Matt is. Just if it's fair to be an even playing field. I'm I'm 39. Okay, good. Yeah, I've already forgotten Erica's age. That <laughs> <laughs> is. It's it's you, Chris, me, Erica. That's I'm the oldest. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, it's been great being here. Uh, really had a great time. <laughs> I, we literally just said all of our ages, and yet you were still surprised that you're the oldest. Listen, I work with computers. They do the math for me. I'm a computational linguist. I don't do it in my head. I rely. I outsource that to computational machinery, and they give me the answer. I'm surprisingly bad at a lot of things. For someone who has a reputation for being a, a clever guy. Have you made the mistake, Ryan, when you're writing a script, is, of yeah. having, like, two page 16s in there somewhere? Are you asking this because it happened to me yesterday? <laughs> no, I'm not. But, I mean, like, given the nature of the conversation so far, I'm not, honestly yeah. not surprised. Uh, yesterday, I, maybe the day before on Twitter, I post about that because... Fantastic Four issue, it made it all the way to the artist who was like, hey, this issue has two page 14, what do I do? Uh, which is incredibly unprofessional on my part, and I had to quickly write up a new script <laughs> to fix that for the artist, and then I tweeted about it, because part of being a professional is broadcasting all your mistakes. I mean, but Ryan, would it have been great and really funny if you had tried to play that off? It's like, that's part of the story. <laughs> Reed Richards has made it so there are two 14s. Two numbers 14. The most embarrassing part of this was that I was able to search my own Twitter feed for the word 14 and found myself complaining about it in 2020. So not even that long ago. So I just replied <laughs> to it and said, yeah, happened again, everyone. Here we are. Thanks for following me. <laughs> that's so, a real yeah. tricky one. 14 is a tough one for you. 14 is a tricky one. So to answer your question... Yes, I have made that mistake within the past 48 hours. I apparently did that and discovered it today, but I'd also uh, forgotten, I guess, page five, so I was good. I was all covered. That's next level. <laughs> yeah. See? See? That, then it becomes, your that was your plan all along. Any, any mistake you could play off is like, yeah, I meant to do that, is, is the best. Well, I'm also just the one drawing it, so it didn't really matter. I was just like, I had a minor yeah. panic, and then I scrolled forward, and I was like, oh, thank God, there's two page sixes. There were no page fives, that's it. Yeah? I have a question for you that I've never been able to ask anyone on the show before, so I'm very excited about it. We've been doing this show for, like, 13 years, and so there isn't a lot of new ground for me to cover with guests, but... Uh, what is it like to be are... almost 37? Yes. <laughs> What's it like to be almost 37? <laughs> uh, you are a person. You, you're in the unique position. Uh, in various capacities, you have worked with all three of us. <gasps> yes. Uh, so who's your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Hmm. No one's going to help you on this, Erica. We're all waiting yeah, for you. Oh, no, yeah. no. I, I would say that you're you're each uniquely challenging. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the 
meanest thing you could have possibly said. I think it's don't, the best don't possible Don't back me answer. into a corner. I will find that mouse that'll just bite the shit out of the cat. I, I, was, I was going to help you and take myself out of the running. Which <laughs> I think is what's uniquely challenging about me. Where I'll like tell you what I want and then be like, but if you don't want to do that, you don't have to do that. Uh, if you say, I'm just going to take myself out of the running, what you're saying is, it's me. That's the favorite? Yes. No, I don't expect myself to be the favorite. I expect myself to be squarely in the middle, where I always am. Who do you think is the worst? Because now you've made the question your yeah, question. Yeah, so now, you think you're in the middle. Who do you, who do you think who do you think's the worst then, Matt? Well, I, I only know where I stand. Wow. It's absolutely me. It's, if you're in the middle, I'm at the bottom. That's fine. I get it. Uh... So uh, I guess I guess y'all can rely on somebody else to promote your new comic. How about that? <laughs> I mean, you created the situation, Chris. I did. That's true. This I mean, true. I did by bringing age into it in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't ask who's oldest, <laughs> Erica. In your opinion, which of us is oldest? <laughs> uh, I mean. Ryan's the only one who's been doing one comic for twenty years, so I'm going to say it's probably Ryan. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. 20 years of dinosaur comic. Same Did, picture, different words, better than it sounds. Check it out. Do you think that's why you keep having trouble with, with page 14? Because I'm only used to six panels. You're only used to six panels, and it's just, you get you get into those double digits and it all goes bad on you. <laughs> Honestly, I think that the reason is that um, I write in plain text. I don't use any fancy software. I number the pages by hand. And... You, usually I'm doing a lot of revision that's moving stuff around, and at a certain point I just I drop one of the balls. And normally I do a check at the end of the script. I count how many pages I've got, and I apparently don't do it often enough because it slides through. But it's, uh, you know, it's very easy. There's a billion different comics templates people will give to you to, to write in. I prefer plain text. I like to make my mistakes. Two pages, 14, twice the fun, baby. Worth it. I have always found that to be fascinating about comics. Uh, I've, I've talked before about how when I got into uh, really trying to write comics and and figure that out as a skill, I would buy anything that had a script in it. Mm. Uh, you know, any anything that had script as like bonus material or, and the, the like the DC guide to writing, the books of comic scripts, and I was really surprised at how different. Like there's like you know what a screenplay looks like, like that is what it is supposed to look like, right down to the font, so you can tell how long it is. Comics are just the wild west. Oh yeah, I mean because you can have to make notes to people, or you just feel like making notes to people, or just if you know who you're working with, you can write less or more. Like it's just it's just whatever, man. Yeah, that aspect of working with someone and how like your first script to someone always has way more explaining than your fifth, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, 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 you know what you're doing at this point. You know what I mean when I say this, uh, but Erica, I'm wondering like, what do you wish people did more in scripts? I mean, I don't think it's so much a script thing as much as a like, talking to the person you're working with thing. 
but that's partly because I I generally like to play around with timing. You can you can kind of tell when someone like has a really clear idea of what like timing is when they're putting something down when someone doesn't. And I'll like if you feel like you need to change a bunch of stuff, but you don't know the person that you're talking to, that can be weird. Cause it's just like, hey, uh, there's too much going on here. Got to change it. I uh, hope you don't get mad about that. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. For format itself, like, I don't really care as long as all the information's there. Is there any information that is usually left out? I know um, colorists, uh, before I really started talking to colorists about uh, how they interact with writing, like, I legitimately did not think about time of day at all, like, ever in a script. I, I guess there's some there's stuff like, if we're going to be spending ten pages in one room, and, like, it's really important that on, like, page ten, there's, like, a really specific vase, you should tell someone on that first page that there's yeah. a very specific vase. I've definitely seen comics where if, you know someone's been in a room for a while and then all of a sudden you get to the vase that has a thing in it it's like oh that they didn't know that was there and they didn't have time to change it they just really, put that there on that 10th page <laughs> really thinking back right now trying to remember 10 years ago if i wrote any scenes with a vase in them that might have stuck in your memory i'm not talking I, about you you're not the worst <laughs> that's the one that said you were the worst not me. <laughs> I, I didn't. Well, wait, said I'm not the worst. worst. And, and so me or Matt are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, I I I like that uh, reasoning because it is the comics equivalent of the joke where someone says the punchline and then they're like, "Oh, the doctor was his uncle." After the punchline. Right. Like the the one detail that makes the joke funny, yeah. they forgot it. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely one where I remember there was like supposed to be a talking horse in a room, and it only says something in the last panel. And like you, the, the talking horse was not in this room until the last panel. And I was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> no, that's that's definitely me. But that's actually Chad, so that's fine. That was neither. That's of fine. You. I know. I know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to say it out loud. Wait, how many comics have you drawn with talking horses in them? Oh, this was not me. This was a comic that I read. Oh, okay. Okay. And I saw someone did that, and I was like, uh, I either you didn't feel like drawing a horse, or <laughs> this other thing happened. That's, I mean, look, maybe the artist didn't feel like drawing a horse. We know that as the, the controversial thing to make artists draw. You just to, put to the head more. in a couple of frames. There's like an ear sticking out. Just, there's ways to do it. <laughs> so let's talk about the new book, which I know the name of, and I'm just pausing <laughs> dramatically. You're referring, of course, to Danger and Other Unknown Risks by Ryan North and Erica Henderson. Yes, I am. Uh, the The New York Times bestselling creators of The Unbeatable Scoregirl. Well, we didn't create her. We wrote the comic. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. Steve Dicko's going to be coming after you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, uh, this is from uh, Penguin, which mm. is interesting to me. 
I don't think of Penguin as a as a traditional comics publisher. How do they do they do Spider Man? Matt does Penguin do Spider Man. <laughs> oh right, that's that's Marvel. That's Marvel. Uh, but Period has an imprint that does YA and middle grade graphic novels, and we're part of that. But this isn't part of that. <laughs> this is not part of that. <laughs> We're part of that. This is not part of that. <laughs> no, because when I first signed the contract, the the early version that did not have Ryan attached to it, they had not formed that yet. Hmm. And so the the editors that we're with are not part of that group, and therefore it was never part of that group. But it's published under that label, isn't it? I don't think so. This is great radio. Well, hold on. I, the- I've got. <laughs> right here hold on well whatever the case i mean it is part of a whole universe of comics middle grade ya comics that are extraordinarily popular and people of the ages that we listed off earlier don't ever think about (laughs) uh which is very cool like i i think the kind of like burgeoning market of middle grade and YA comics is really encouraging and fun. And I think you can kind of experiment in that space a little more than you can in traditional comics. I mean, did you, the two of you find that to be the case? Well, the the funny story here is that Erica alluded to it earlier where the first person's book didn't have me on the book. Now, there's another writer, and he or she, I don't know who it was, but I was told they just didn't write a script, which I thought was amazing. Wow. And so Eric was like, hey, do you want to write a script for a book? We'll do a book together. And I said, sure. And I've forgotten what the, why, why I started telling the story. <laughs> oh, yeah, the why thing. So I wrote a script. We went back and forth. There's a whole collaborative process we can talk about. But one of the initial ending that I came up with um, – was pretty graphic in terms of like violence, and the editor was like, "Oh yeah, this is a bit, uh, bit much for for YA." And I was like, "Yes," because I knew that was what we were working in. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that someone would tell you that, and you'd just be like, "Yeah, I know." Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I, my bad. I'll fix it." Because um, I didn't realize we were working YA. I thought we were working um, in more of an adult space, but. A lot of what I do is, you know, secret to writing all ages is everyone keeps their clothes on and nobody squares. And so that's what I was doing. I just turned up the violence some. And so I was pleased it wasn't hard. All I would do is change the ending a bit. And it now fit nicely into that space where it's good for kids. It's good for younger readers. People in our early 40s can still read it and have a good time with it. Um, so it was, it was funny that I didn't know what we were writing, but still managed to slide into it most of the way. I really want the ending of this book now to be like that scene in E.T. where the shotguns get replaced with walkie-talkies. <laughs> where it's just like, oh no, I've spilled all this delicious strawberry jam everywhere. It's also one of those things, too, where, like, uh, we've mentioned this in other places, but we, we wound up having, like, because we're just going back and forth, rewriting and rewriting and rewriting each other's stuff, um, the so many original ending is so different from what it is now. It partly because it's just a, 
different like emotional arc. Like the the mm-hmm. very bare bones of the story are the same, but like everything else, I feel like is super different. And I don't think that ending would even make sense now. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Well, now I feel like this book needs an unrated director's cut. It'd be worse. <laughs> like there's a. It's true. <laughs> the book we have, I think, and I can say this because Eric and I collaborated so closely. I feel like I, I'm not like it's not my book; it's our book. I think it's a really good book. I think it's a lot of fun, great adventure, cool stuff in it. And um, the the that revision at the end was so much better than where we started. Like you wouldn't the director's cut would be just a worse cut of the book with worse characters doing boringer things. Yeah, it's like when you watch uh, cut scenes on a DVD and you're like, oh, yeah. Right choice. Good choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a cut scene in Back to the Future, which would have just tanked the movie. And it's such a miracle they dodged it. It would have, like, it's an 80s movie that doesn't have any homophobia in it, but they filmed it. They just cut out the last second. <laughs> that was prescient. That was a good move on, uh, yeah. on who, whatever editor decided to get rid of that part. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild to go back and watch, say, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and <laughs> yep. just really be shocked. on in your memories when you saw when you were a kid, and it all went over your head. Hopefully, uh, it's interesting to me that you talk about the the collaborative process of this book because it on the title page it has credits I've never seen the like of. We're starting um, a new trend, which is is. Uh, Danger and Other Unknown Risks by Ryan North and Erica Henderson, art by Erica Henderson, <laughs> which I like. Erica, get that double credit. Get get the billing you deserve. Um, I, mean, I, 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 was I say, did do the two things. Yes, you did. No, that's what I'm saying. Art are by Ryan North and Erica Henderson, art by Erica Henderson and Ryan North. I thought that's what we agreed on. <laughs> For all of my art contributions, where I said that was good, keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is that is part of the art saying it was good. So I, I want to talk about the the story of the book a little bit because it is is it fair to say this is a post apocalyptic story? Yeah. Yes. Okay, it is a post apocalypse that I have never seen. I've never seen this specific type of post-apocalypse b- before, where the apocalypse was caused by magic, which then changes the whole world. And is is like everything is is different and magical now. Why did you decide that magic was the thing? Because Ryan, I know you're a big science guy. <laughs> so was that Erica's idea originally, or, or why did you want to explore that space? I mean, to a science guy, what could be worse than magic being real? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Erica, do you remember? I, I remember we, we had this idea of a, a magical sort of post-apocalyptic, or post-apocalyptic world, and at some point we wanted to tie Y2K into that, of like this preparation for a computer catastrophe that doesn't happen, but something worse happens instead. I know the Y two thing, Y two K thing came later because that was just a this would be a fun date, and also it would make the uh, the date of the the book came out like kind of contemporary to mm-hmm. you know the events of the book. Um, 
which is fun. But I I think I don't know if this is me rewriting things because it fits neatly into a little narrative, but I feel like part of it was that if we do science fiction, then it becomes about the why, whereas this is just like, eh, stuff happened, I don't know. No one can know. It is unknowable. Stop worrying about it. <laughs> Worry about this, the events in front of you. But I think also part of it, too, was um, I feel like a little bit of it was inspired by uh, one of Chris's other podcasts, uh, The Apocrypals, when Benito was talking about what apocalypse means, which is more just about change. And that kind of led into a whole idea of like, well, there have been all these disasters in human history, like civilization ending disasters. And, you know, we're still here. We're still doing stuff. It's not like apocalypses mean that we're all dead. When you said that, I uh, I did like the the Miss Jackson video look up to the drawing of uh, Simon Magus being yelled at by a talking dog <laughs> that I have framed on my wall, my Erica Henderson original, uh, the the hanging in my office. Bible fan art. Bible fan art. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Erica, I gotta say, you're great at drawing dogs. Thank you. I mean, to be fair, you're great at drawing. <laughs> like, that's that's a, a skill that I think you have been recognized for. And I, and I fully believe it. But specifically, dogs. You do a great job. Did we start with magic because we kept starting with a talking dog? Yes. Yes. I think Brian, you got it. it. <laughs> I, think, I think, yeah, I made up a whole... Uh, fake etymology there about like why the world is magic but no i think you nailed it it's because of dog because erica reminded me last week that we were discussing like it was a total blue sky project do whatever you want what are we gonna tell a story about let's have conversations and, and figure it out and she was reminding me that she would have this you know serious proposal for what if we did this and i'd say yes and there's a talking dog to everything she said so i think that might have been where it came from for my excellent idea of a talking dog, no matter what the genre and no yeah. matter how serious. We had so, eventually so decided, when... let's start with dog, and then we'll get to where we're going if you're going to keep bringing in the dog. <laughs> I'm a value so, so if you started with dog, when did frog come into it? Because you've, there's, I mean, I guess it's toad. Yes. Uh, but but when, when did you get... Uh, dog mixed with toad in the story because they're also very important animals here yeah there's a, a plot significant uh amphibian in the story and i think that came later we wanted to have uh characters of marguerite and daisy have a way to sort of test when a new area was safe and so they throw a frog in they throw the toad in and, and see what happens did did that come from anything? I I could swear that I was like when I got to that part of the book, I was like, oh, that's that's part of some kind of like mythology and lore that people had uh, oh, long ago. Throwing frogs around mythology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the the toss a frog in there and see if it's safe. 
belief yeah, that people have. Yeah, it's like how you uh, determined a witch, I think. <laughs> throw a frog at somebody? It's how you yeah, test you if your house throw has too much CO2 in it. <laughs> it's no, it's believable. Just, I think that was just a... We had we did some world building that we didn't wind up using a lot of, but we kept anyway as like flavor. And I think I think the frog was Ryan. Yeah, we did um, a ton of world building in all these different versions, uh, which ended up you know as much as that can sometimes feel like you're spinning your wheels. It meant that when we're on draft twenty, we have answers for every question, and so all these blanks you would normally have to elude around or uh, fill in sketch. We were like, no, no, we can actually just write the answer in here. <laughs> we can, we can make this feel complete. And I think in the final book, it makes it feel a lot more lived in. Like it doesn't feel like it's a world that two people constructed. It feels like this is a natural consequence of magic coming back on January 1st, 2000 and everything spinning up from that. Yeah, I mean, part of why it felt like the whole frog thing was believable to have been like, you know, something from some culture is this notion that like magic was around before and then it went away and now it it it's come back full force, which I think gives the both of you like this huge playground to play around in where you can like go back to the past and explore what magic was like then and how it's different post 2000 and the, the sort of like mythic nature of the nineties, <laughs> which <laughs> pops up a few places here in this book um, where it's, you know, 1999, they had everything back then. Um, <laughs> It's like there's so much more to explore in this world that the two of you could could go into if you wanted to. Yeah, everyone buy the book, and then we can do a sequel. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly what I was getting at, Ryan. <laughs> I appreciate the, the setup there, and I can just take it home. <laughs> well, speaking of taking it home. Interesting segue. This is how we this is how we take the interviews home here on the show. Uh, we like to to see if people have any questions for you. And Matt, if the listeners of this fine program want to get in on these conversations that we have often enough here on the show, how exactly can they go about that? Well, Chris, much like in the book Danger and Other Unknown Risks, <laughs> where the world changed on January 1st, 2000, our own world changed pretty dramatically in 2022. I thought you were going to say 2001. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Buddy. That would have been been a whole different comedic premise that I would have really had to walk a tightrope for. Matt's working grim these days, everybody. Some rough knuckles. I, I can't go Gottfried. I'll, I'll tell you that. No, I'm talking about when Elon Musk took over Twitter and it kind of changed completely. And uh, it's it's a whole different place now. 
But it's like the only place where a lot of people still are, so we still take questions there for the show. Uh, but we also take questions... For as long as Twitter lasts, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but we also take questions on our Discord now. So you can sign up for an account on Twitter and ask us questions at War Rocket Pod, or you can get in touch with us and ask for a Discord invite. And uh, you can ask questions there, too, for our guests when it's time at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. Uh, and uh, if you see the call for questions, you can ask questions just like these for Ryan and Erica. Here's one from our Discord from Centipede Damascus. Uh, this one's for Ryan. Uh, what are the odds of Wyatt Wingfoot showing up in your Fantastic Four run? <laughs> I'm laughing because I have seen this question often, and I've tried to think of what the worst answer I could give would be, and I think it would be <laughs> to say, who is Wyatt Wingfoot? I've never heard of him. No one will be satisfied with that answer. I'm not saying it's a true answer, but I don't want to give the true answer, so that's the one I'll go with. Fair. Very fair. <laughs> Who is this favorite character of yours from Fantastic Four? I've never read the book myself. I wouldn't know. I, I like uh, that we're just going with disappointing answers tonight when we don't feel like answering <laughs> a question. <laughs> th- this, this is one question dodging interview. <laughs> Everybody's dodging. Uh, Outrider C on Twitter wants to know favorite talking dog. Outside of our own? Yes, let's let's assume that your own is your personal favorite. But uh, what what is one from the work of others that uh, you also enjoy? That's a really good question. Uh, while we're thinking, I'm going to tell a a story about the the naming of this book because the the working title, which definitely came from me was a girl and her dog because we just needed something to put on files and you know it's literally a girl and her dog but it's mm-hmm. a girl and her dog wandering through an apocalyptic world uh and a talking dog specifically which is a reference to a boy and his dog which is a terrible movie do not watch it it's very bleak <laughs> um and people kept being like, you should just use that name. And I was like, no, this is what it's in reference to. And they're like, oh, don't use that name. <laughs> isn't, that a, that's, isn't that a Harlan Ellison joint? It, I don't know. I just know that it's one of those things that's just like relentlessly bleak in a way that I don't find satisfying. Yeah. During the time of Erica's uh, story, I thought about it. And I think my answer for favorite talking dog would be uh, Lassie because she walks the line, right? Where she doesn't talk normally, but she communicates to people who can understand her in a way that is truly inscrutable, but saves lives on the regular. And I like the the ambiguity there and and the way she communicates because it's, it's, it's cartoony, right? It's live action show, but it's, the dog barks three times and you realize someone's stuck in the well. And that is almost a comedy bit, but it's used for drama. And I think that's pretty good. I don't know how many episodes of Lassie I've actually seen, but to my recollection, every plot of every episode involves someone being stuck in a well. 
Have you seen the Canadian program, The Littlest Hobo? I know, I'm answering, I know the answer is no. The answer uh, is no, but I've heard about it a lot, yeah. Littlest Hobo, similar premise, except it's like, what if Lassie was homeless? And so Littlest Hobo is a dog who travels around different towns and gets involved. It's The theme song is so, the theme song is amazing, but the lyrics are like, maybe tomorrow I'll find a place I call home until tomorrow. I gotta keep moving on. <laughs> Just this dog going around, can't find home, but helps people solve crimes or get it out of scrapes and it's it's great it's so satisfying but just this amazing banger of a theme song about how the whole world is his home he's the littlest hobo he doesn't have, talk though he just barks the same way lassie does so i, I, I changed my answer to littlest hobo actually <laughs> i have heard so much about the littlest hobo and i have never heard it described in terms as bleak and horrifying <laughs> As what if Lassie was homeless? But that's the show. <laughs> that's uh, Erica, Erica, have you got a favorite talking dog? I took the most yeah, famous. Yeah, I'm going to go with another cartoony, near inscrutable dog, Scooby Doo, a classic. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's speaking English with like a speech impediment. Yeah, but it's still hard to understand. I think that's still. I said somewhat inscrutable, not totally inscrutable. Oh no no I'm not I'm not questioning your choice I'm just I'm realizing oh. like he's he's fully speaking English with just like a filter. Yeah, it's it's the it's the Hanna Barbera dog way of talking because mm-hmm. Astro speaks exactly the same way. What a great studio! <laughs> <laughs> Chris, do you have a favorite talking dog? Uh, I'm trying to think. Like, like this seems like the kind of question I should have an answer for right off the right off the bat. Uh, I've always thought DC could do a lot more with Rex the Wonder Dog. Mm. Does he talk though? He is a dog who found the Fountain of Youth, and so he's an immortal dog, which is the only kind of dog that should be in fiction. <laughs> I think you've got some wiggle room as to what constitutes talking. So. I mean, clearly, because Ryan North said I picked the two most famous talking dogs. Neither of them are talking dogs. <laughs> they, they're, they bark, and people know what they're barking. Yeah. Yeah. I also like how I imply the two most famous dogs are Lassie and Canadian Lassie. <laughs> Lassie and a dog that is significantly less famous than Lassie. Uh, uh, well, Canadian Lassie is just good. I do really love Crypto. Crypto doesn't talk, though, I don't Crypto think. Talk. Radar talk. talks. Who's the, the crypto analog in Supreme? Radar the Hound Supreme. So I'll take him. Okay. My answer, of course, is Ralph. Because if there's oh, an yeah. answer oh, that's a right. Muppet, I'm going to choose the Muppet. Yeah. You know, I almost I went with the one Ralph. from Frigo Rock, but I couldn't remember if that dog talked or not. That dog does he not talk. That dog, that dog barks. Well, he spoke to me on a level I didn't know I had. Yeah. If I was going to go for a real deep cut, I'd say Ace U from Dog City. <laughs> a thing that only I have seen. Wait, is that the, the Muppet dog-only show? A uh, movie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I have seen it. I just, it was once. So I don't know anyone's <laughs> name or even what happens at this point. <laughs> Ace U was the lead character, and the joke was that when he said his name, people said Gesundheit. He can build a show around mm. that. That's a hard one to get over for your lead character. 
Uh, BD Clark on Twitter asks, who would win in a fight, Erica if she were a dinosaur or Ryan if he were an assassin? That's a well-crafted question. Well, I think that it comes down to what kind of dinosaur slash assassin. Like, what what are... There are wide varieties. Okay, so Ryan has determined that he wants to be a skilled assassin. (laughs) Erica, what kind of dinosaur do you want to be? I mean, if I get to choose myself, probably, like... The bigger you go, the bigger target you are for my guns. Yeah, but also, like, the less the gun will do. Like, how much is your gun going to do against, a, like, the titanosaur? You're choosing titanosaur? Final answer? I, I was posing a question, <laughs> sir. <laughs> but fine, sure. Mostly because I got to see one of the uh, actual bones before it got replaced with the fake bones they put in museums. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, if you're human-sized, Ryan, you, Titanosaur is just going to step on you. Well, that's the thing. Like, if I, I'm honestly, jokes aside, no matter how skilled and professional an assassin I am, if I saw an actual dinosaur, there's no way I would kill that. Like, there's no way. It would, I would resign my commission as an assassin to kill the only dinosaur on the planet? Like, come on. That's not ethical. I couldn't do it, no matter what that dinosaur had done. I feel like... Well, now we're making assumptions again, because we don't know if that's the only dinosaur. Even if there's, like, five dinosaurs, I'm not going to kill them. <laughs> Until they're, like, a threat to crops, I think I'm going to let them live and let live. I feel like you... Like you I don't want to armchair quarterback this. But... But... But if I had to, if I was forced to, you had the... You had the world was yours, Ryan, and the adjective you came up with was skilled. I was gonna say elite, but I thought that'd be too greedy. You could have said dinosaur, (laughs) which would have worked in the case of both you are an assassin of dinosaurs and an assassin (laughs) who is a dinosaur. That limits you. A skilled assassin, my skills could be all over the place. I'm good at everything potentially, but I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna kill a dinosaur. Plus it's my friend Erica. Like, no, I'm not killing her. <laughs> uh Stone Cold HCC, an account that exists only to ask questions on War Rocket Ajax. We're recording this on three sixteen days, so obviously I have to take a question from Stone Cold. Of course you do. Stone Cold wants to know, y'all heard if you screw up bad enough in John Madden football, you can make him say the F word? <laughs> More of a comment than a I, question, but I'll answer it. I with had not the heard that, if we're going to answer it as a question. <laughs> yeah, you can make him say the worst F word there is, fumble. <laughs> that must kill on football Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Daggett on our Discord, wants to know, uh, dog versus squirrel, which makes a better sidekick for a protagonist? Oh, that is a good question. Because we in, in Danger, we have the dog sidekick, but then we have a frog, frog sidekick who takes a lot of the things the squirrel would do in that role. The frog is smaller, the frog can be carried. Um, I don't know that the frog is so much a sidekick as much as <laughs> a, a useful... Uh, he, it's a tool. He's fodder. Okay, yeah. I saw the frog yeah. as a person, so maybe that's just me being better than everyone. 
It, it is a um, little bit like giving a name to the cattle that you're about to slaughter. <laughs> okay, well, here's the honest answer. You look at Squirrel Girl in the, the graphic novel that Eric and I did. Um, there was a clone of a dream. We needed her to become the bad clone. And so the inciting incident there was one of her squirrels was killed. And at the time, the only squirrel I'd given a name to, I'd named after my dog Chomsky. So I had to kill <laughs> Chomsky the squirrel in the book to have the plot happen. And I think you can have a squirrel get hit by a car in a comic and have that motivate the heroine without you feeling like actually upset. But had we had like a dog get run over, I think that would be more upsetting to the reader. Like I wouldn't want to read a book where the dog gets killed. (laughs) So I guess in that sense, the dog is the more effective sidekick for the reader, but the squirrel is the more effective sidekick for the author. That makes sense. Well, I, I also think them? that um, we had basically the one case where a squirrel is useful as a companion, which is someone who can talk to squirrels and they can talk back. Like, you know, it's like Squirrel Girl and maybe Beastmaster. <laughs> uh, <laughs> whereas dogs are fairly useful, regardless of whether or not they can talk. That's true. And also my argument for Squirrel, I, I realized I undermined it because the end of that book is all about saving Tippy from death. So the emotional stakes are there anyway. I implore anyone listening to this to go on Wikipedia and start a new category <laughs> of characters who talk who can talk to squirrels and just put two pages on there, Beastmaster and Squirrel Girl. <laughs> I'm in trouble... For so much Wikipedia vandalism already, I don't want to be responsible for more. Surely the page is Dar, parentheses, Beastmaster, right? I, d- I mean, like you Beastmaster can... disambiguation. Mm. How many well, Beastmaster Beasts in human there, there was There was that like Netflix reality show called Beastmaster that was very confusing. Yes. So... There is a Beastmaster disambiguation page. All that. Right. You are correct. Uh, this is going to be our last question. This, this is from the Carla Pacheco, friend of the show. We know her. Uh, Carla wants to know, ask Ryan why he trying to mess with my redacted money. And which of us would win in a fight. Everybody wants to fight you. Yeah, I get that a lot. Um, Carla, I love and respect you, but I don't want to talk about this publicly. (laughs) (laughs) That's for part one. For part two, I think anyone who knows Carla personally or through her work or has any experience, exposure to her really, uh, would agree that you would never bet against her in any fight. And even though our famous height difference means I could put my hand on her forehead and keep her away from me, I think I would still lose that fight. It's true. Carla will find a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get, we had some more questions on the Discord and on Twitter, but uh, we are out of time, unfortunately. Oh, were there any good ones? I'm sure there are, uh, <laughs> but they're not going to get answered. 
they're gonna they're gonna they're going down the memory hole. Sorry. Hey, Ryan, you know a lot about Back to the Future. Did he yeah. go get that license plate and then let, like and he was like, Yeah, it's for a time uh, machine? Yeah, he definitely he got it's a legal plate. He got out of time for his DeLorean, went down to the DMV, did all that work just for the, the flair. Like he's building a time machine in a DeLorean, you might as well do it with some style. That means get a vanity license plate to go with. Hundred percent. That's Doc Brown's MO. Like, Sorry for any listener questions. We have money. Back to the future. I I've gotta make some dangerous deals to make the money. <laughs> <laughs> with terrorists. I am gonna spend uh forty five dollars of that money on a, on a vanity plate though. Yeah. <laughs> How much do I have left over after the plutonium? Forty five dollars. Perfect. Exactly enough. Yeah. Ryan and Erica, it's always, always so fun to talk to both of you. Please let our listeners know how they can get uh, Danger and Other Unknown Risks, as well as uh, your other work and where they can follow you online. Sure. Uh, Danger and Other Unknown Risks comes out April 4th at bookstores everywhere. You can find it at comic shops, bookstores, anywhere books are sold. It's there waiting for you. And you can find me you can find me at RyanNorth.ca or RyanQNorth on Twitter for as long as that lasts. Yep, you can find me on Twitter as well, and I I guess Tumblr now. I'm doing that again. At at EricaFails. And you can see me, or not see, I guess, but uh, hear me and Matt on our podcast Till the End. That's right. Wait, are you guys not friends anymore? Yeah, we're just till the end now. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I I was thinking about the name of the the, the Twitter, which is till the end cast. And so I was just like, oh man, we're we're all doing great tonight. I haven't listened yet because I don't like scary movies. And so I thought there was like a twist at the end of the season. There was, yeah. (laughs) Wait for the Megan episode. It's it's going to be just one big falling out. It did the entire episode. It's like wow. It's Matt, Matt was actually the worst one after all. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's like all that drama that happened on Bravo that I don't quite understand. That certain people I know are talking about a lot on social media. Our guests have been I Ryan North and Eric Henderson. <laughs> Uh, y'all, thank you for coming on the show. You are welcome. Every, anytime you would like to come back, you are both absolute delights. And again, two of my favorite people working in comics. Thank you. Happy to do it anytime. I'll just be a pest. Yeah. Please well, do. You know, I've got Parasocial coming out in October, and we're not recording anymore, right? No, no we're still we're, recording. We're still recording. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> everybody okay, buy well, Parasocial in October. Thanks once again to Ryan North and Erica Henderson, two of our absolute faves for stopping by, talking to us, and revealing, at last, that I'm the favorite. (laughs) Matt, we had too much show. That's all we got time for this week. We had too much fun, is what happened. Too much fun. It's what happens. We're not too tired old men, no. No. We're just two cool dudes having too much fun. We're not. We need to go to bed. We're not desperate to sleep because it's just past eleven o'clock. Who would dare think such a thing? But 
we uh, do need to wrap up the episode. If you would like to get in touch with us by email, you can send us one at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You could send us every story ever list there or a Thursday Night Raw submission or let us know if you want to sponsor the show. All of that is the email is the place to do that. You can also tweet at us at warrocketpod. We're on Tumblr, warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. We also have a Discord server. You must be invited to be a member of the Discord server, but if you ask us nicely for an invitation, we will almost assuredly get you one to be part of the Discord community for War Rocket Ajax. WarRocketAjax.com is our website that has every episode of the show that we've ever done. WarRocketWiki.com is the place for all the information you could ever need about this show, War Rocket Ajax. If you want to find me and my stuff, you can go to MattDWilson.net to find links to my books, my other podcasts, my social medias, and uh, the comics I've written. You can also find a link to the Zoop campaign for Imposter Syndicate right there at the top of the page. Uh, you can click on that and go contribute if you are able. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That has links to everything that I do. It's my website. That's it's it. His, it's my website. It's his website. Hey, everybody. It's my website. We will be back next week with another guest, and it is going to be, once again, a fun time. I think so. But until then, everybody, don't forget, Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights, and drag is not a crime. And abortion rights, those are human rights too. Cops, also, not your friends, but we... They can get the fuck out of here. We love you. We love you. Stay on. At every point.